Welcome back to the Creative Strings Podcast. You're listening to episode 25 with Pablo Martin Caminero. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Strings Podcast. I'm Christian Howes, violinist, educator, and music business entrepreneur. I hope these interviews will inspire you to be creative in your life, in your art, in your business, in every way. So without further ado, let's get to it. Today, my very special guest is a friend of mine for almost 20 years. He's kind of like a musical soulmate. <laughs> We've worked on so many projects together, and I really think of him like a brother. His name is Pablo Martin Caminero, and he introduced me among a small handful of very close friends in Madrid. When I started visiting Madrid in the early, maybe it was around 2001, 2002, uh, in those first few years after my first trip to Madrid, I visited Madrid probably 20 times in the course of three or four years and um, traveled all around the country, was involved in the making of movies and albums and um, I got to know Pablo really well. We worked on a lot of music together. I fell in love with flamenco, and I fell in love with what I guess I would call is the, the Spanish sound. It's a very special sound, and I've always been amazed. Um, even when I started visiting there, I was amazed that I'd never heard that sound more. I can't think of a better ambassador for the music of Spain than my good friend, the producer, composer, bassist, and philosopher, poet. <laughs> Pablo Martin Caminero. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Pablo Martin Caminero. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing this nice interview. Thank you. Making time. Thanks for coming to Spain and playing <laughs> with us. So, um, for people that don't know, uh, Pablo's a friend of mine for uh, almost 20 years since we first started working here in Spain. And you're one of my favorite composers, one of my favorite musicians, also a really, really close friend. And uh, so glad that I got to come back because I thought it'd be perfect to talk with you on the Creative Strings podcast about your perspective as a classically trained bass player then went on to find love for jazz and flamenco and you've really been at the intersection of this amazing distinct spanish sound which fuses all these different things so am i correct that you went to vienna for yeah. classical classical school yeah when i was i started with 17 years old here in in spain in the north in vitoria and bilbao in conservatories even, even even at that time, there was no double bass in my school, so I had to go out. And then when I was 20, I got to um, 19, 20, to the Vienna, eh, ¿cómo se llama? La Escuela Superior de Música, so this school, eh, Vienna school. So I, I went there, and I was there like five years doing the classical, eh, all pure classical, like Viennese School is like a very good uh, uh, classical double bass, classical double bass school. So I was training that, and then I started to just hear and 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 uh, out of love for jazz and for improvisation and for other kind of musics, 
uh, like parallel. I was mm, like in the night, I was like, you know, going to the jams and in the day I was like the nice <laughs> student Vienna, you know, school, whatever, no? Yeah. So I was like living two lives. Wow. Okay, cool. And then when you finished uh, at the, the classical academy um, in Vienna, you came back to Madrid right then? Yes. I just finished and I came back to Madrid. And then you started working in the jazz scene? Yeah, immediately when I got here, there were not many bass players in Madrid at that time. That was, that was end of 99, so year 2000. So pretty much immediately I started, started working. I started doing some jam sessions and I was already into flamenco. So almost the first year I started to play with nice jobs. And from there, I started to go with Gerardo Núñez, a master for flamenco guitar, and with Chano Domínguez, a master jazz flamenco, piano jazz flamenco. And from there, I, I just started. And uh, yeah, pretty much I did some gigs with symphonic orchestras, which was what I was trained for. But uh, I just uh, was too much into improvisation and to, into other kinds of music, so I, I just was very focused in that. And still today I do some Baroque stuff, not much classical. Uh, I play Baroque, I have this beautiful instrument here to play Baroque. But uh, yeah, mostly I'm into my music, into music for films, you know, we've done things together too. And into this world of just discovering about myself and what I can bring. You know, if I stay into classical music, only probably I wouldn't investigate what's inside, no? if that concept is uh, okay, mm -hmm. and what can I bring. No? And uh, flamenco is a very big part of, of what I like and what I do. And of course, jazz as a, as a mother culture, no? as a mother music, master music, to, to, as, a, as a conceptual thing, no? like improvising and language and fusing different things, mentality, you know, this art of freedom, of trying to look for yourself. That's what I am focused in. You know? So jazz, to you, it sounds like you're kind of defining, you're, or you're sort of defining jazz in a certain way as representing the freedom to create something and also the, the flexibility to fuse different things together. Yeah. Probably originally, and here the view we have in Europe, I would say, is like jazz is, comes from New Orleans originally, no, and and uh, and from from this um, uh, black culture, no, black American culture, like started, no. We have this idea, and there is all this development. It happens the same in flamenco music, like gypsies and not gypsies. It was a fuse of all together and created the, this art oh, really? of flamenco, no. And I think it's oh. pretty similar to what happens in jazz with black and white people and of course now uh, all kinds of races you know, in, in jazz. But for me now, and I think the view we have a little bit, or at least I, I do, is that jazz has become uh, much more than that. Maybe that, in my view, would be like the uh, American classical music, you no? Know? Mm. And jazz kind of has become like a, like a concept, you no? Know? Gotcha. That, that has to do at least for me with looking for your freedom while mm -hmm. playing and of course the improvisation no? and very basically technically talking like this melody with this harmony let's 
do new improvised melodies mm -hmm. on this structure, no? Yeah. That like a very, right. but that has been as well in classical music, like uh, uh, theme and variations, for example. Right. So it's, it's an old technique. But basically, I would I would say that jazz is already like a mother music. It's something mm -hmm. bigger than only only that no if, if yeah. i may <laughs> that's your no that's your I interpretation know. i think that's really important because i i mean i think one thing everybody can agree upon about jazz is that people are defining it in different ways you know everywhere so you know nobody can really agree on it but i like what you're saying like there's you know there's there's an origin of the music and and it's important to respect that origin but then there's also there's this sort of global trend now where people are are borrowing from this and, and taking it in different directions. And I love that you made a connection with flamenco music because I had no idea. I mean, you're saying that there was this sort of traditional culture of flamenco music uh, made by people within a certain culture in Spain. And then, but now it's become, flamenco has become like sort of a, a broader thing. Is that fair to say? I mean, in Spain, I feel like flamenco has touched so much of the sound. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, here in Spain, yes. Like every, like the pop music, the jazz, like any kind of music, sure. like you can feel these flamenco quotes and energy and things, right? Or not? So I, I think, I mean, it's quite a difficult thing because historically there is so much going on, no? But in Spain, uh, and maybe the economical part of it, it has something to do, and is that the n number one cultural product of Spain, export, pro, uh, how can yeah, I say yeah, 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 cultural export, sure. Yeah, is flamenco. Wow. So, gotcha. the people that relate to flamenco are the people who are working the most, especially outside Spain, no? So many people as well, so maybe like me, like, okay, this is an opportunity, but not only economically, which we are professionals, we have to live from something, but there is a very wide a open field for creation. No? I, I, of course, I started with this out of pure love. I would hear Paco de Lucia, which is the reference for almost all of us, people that went uh, fuse with jazz and improvisation right. that started with practically with Paco, but there are a lot of references in there. And um, there, there are many in my in my view. There are many many reasons for this, no? And uh, yeah, recently I told you I was doing this uh, ballet, symphonic ballet composing, no? And the first thing, and I I knew, but the first thing we heard from the uh, responsible people was, uh, this is Spanish national ballet. So there has to be an mm. Spanish flavor. Mm -hmm. And what is this Spanish flavor? Yeah. No, what is in the in the rest of the world, you know what comes to mind flamenco. is flamenco, no? yeah. and uh, there are many other things going on in Spain sure. from folk music, like very old. But flamenco is like the main, and that's as well because many young people are into flamenco, doing very new things, and uh, flamenco guitar is a miracle. Right. Flamenco singing is a miracle. Yeah. Flamenco dancing is a miracle. When you get to understand mm -hmm. what's going on there. It's like a very deep, not only musical style, but a culture. Yeah. So you can take a lot of uh, resources from flamenco, too. Yeah. I mean, you, you 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 hear that and you play with them and right. stuff, and it's amazing. But you can take a lot of 
techniques and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. not only techniques like like in the form of the music too, no? Right. Yeah. And, uh, the and grooves applied. and the, the grooves. chord progressions, the melodic style of improvisation, yeah. the the uh, inflections. I mean, so yeah. Many for, for example, this this yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that is called a cierre is a closing. Wow. So I see that technique in flamenco is like a energy going, and this I close it here. Wow. This is uh, this is like. A, it's like it's a new in a new statement then starts or something. Yes, it's like a accumulation of energy and releasing. Okay, here we, we came to our to our destiny. Let's go on. That's a technique that <laughs> wow. I use in my compositions, wow. for example. No? And that's mm, the form of flamenco itself, no? Wow. So it's very interesting uh, to to play with these laws of flamenco and jazz and and Compose with uh, freedom into those things. That's what I try. At least. Mm, mm. That's my idea. That's great. So, so uh, what tune can we listen to off of? Uh, from this unidentified uh, maybe flamenco object, the, the ballad, which is a solea. Okay, there, solea is a, is that a form? Solea de las tres. Yes, solea is one of the mother forms of flamenco. How many are the forms, by the way? There are many, but this mm. is one of the main because from here this um, rhythmic pattern comes other like alegrías, okay, like so it's uh, an introduction sort of usually is the solea usually the first the beginning or no 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 no, no. Okay. no. It's just but it can be the start of something else then. yeah it's like okay. a form like a, you would say like ballad or you could say uh, when you see in the real book funk or you say right. medium yep. medium swing or whatever right. no kind of something like that no and Great. solea is like normally slow and it has a deep deep um, energy, you know, like... Uh, and this tune, Solea de... De Gasteiz. Gasteiz is my city. It's just your city. Yeah. Uh, where you were born, in Vittoria? Yes. Near Vittoria? It's the Basque name for that. Gotcha. So, what should we listen for in this track? Sorry? What can we listen for? Is this a really traditional yeah. Solea? Or well, it's it interesting. Like uh, there is an intro with a double bass, because I'm the boss and I do whatever I want with my music. Yeah. And uh, then there is the, the, you know, flamenco singers, they do a lot of melisma. You know, the melisma right. is oh, 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 a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, I think. So what I did is a, a traditional flamenco, a, a solea melody. I took all the melismas mm. out and I leave like a very, uh, mm, like a, a line, a melodical line, like very flat kind of, no, yeah. without... And I asked the guys to play it unison and the, the first part, no, and very flat, you know, looking for this kind of uh, kind of blue atmosphere, mm. no? kind of, and see what happens. And I remember the first day I hear that I was completely blown, like, oh my god, this is amazing. And the harmony is pretty much the original. There is some change original change but pretty much the form of a normal solea but into a jazz with with the mm. scovillas i don't know how you brush the brushes and the, this kind of form I, w I was looking for that and it came out like very very nice yeah i'm very happy with that awesome we're, we're going to listen to that for sure
This episode of the Creative Strings podcast is brought to you in part by Yamaha. Creative Strings depends on Yamaha, I depend on Yamaha, and string players and educators around the world depend on Yamaha for their support in so many ways of music education. I've been working with Yamaha for over 20 years, and I'm really proud to be affiliated with this great company. Uh, one of the things I'll just mention about their electric violins and all of their string line of products, I've watched these products go through so many um, iterations in the last 20 years and I've worked closely with uh, designers in Japan and been amazed by their high standards uh, the quality the integrity that they uh, go to great lengths to uh, apply in the making of all of their string instruments acoustic and electric of course I personally use Yamaha electric violins and endorse them. We really want to thank Yamaha for their support of Creative Strings. I want to thank Electric Violin Shop for supporting the Creative Strings podcast. They've supported us ever since day one. They're a great group of folks. Uh, electric Violin Shop is a cooperative employee-owned company. It's as mom and pop as it gets, as far as I'm concerned. They're in North Carolina, but they serve a worldwide clientele of people who are looking for support in getting their best sound, getting uh, their best amplified sound. And you know, there's a lot of ways to do that. And we've covered that in some of the episodes um, of the Creative Strings podcast. But my favorite thing about working with them is their phone support. And I'm so confident telling you that you're not going to get better more knowledgeable phone support about any questions you have related to amplified strings. So give them a call at 866-900-8400. Again, that's 866-900-8400. Or go to electricviolinshop.com forward slash creative strings. If you let them know that you heard about them from me and you do end up purchasing something with Electric Violin Shop, you will get a discount just for letting them know that we sent you. I'm just glad that, that you're here and we get to check out your music. <laughs> and we can hear the music, and so that's all that matters. So is there another tune on this, uh, um, on unidentified flamenco object? Yes. Is how you say it? It's no, UFO. It, UFO. It's yeah. awesome. Is there another one on this record that you would like to check out? Um, you, I mean, all of them are, for example, interestingly, I would say Ofni, the one is called yeah, Ofni. the title, yeah. Is a, is a, a seven groove oh, yeah. that relates to the um, to the uh, buleria. Oh, like a buleria, but in yes. seven. So like it has this energy, but it's in seven, no. So normally in jazz, I I have listened traditionally. You have you guys have used like a one two one two one two three one two. Yeah, one, yeah. Two, this kind of yeah. And I I was not always, but. Pretty much that that and that is the case, no. And I I, I I saw that if I use one two three one two one two one two three one two one two, I can use flamenco techniques. That, for example, is one one is called llamada, which is like an upbeat, like one two three. So the first mm. the first one is uh, silent and uh, the energy goes pam pam pam. No, this is a typical thing for dancing. Mm. So I thought, and then is the closing, the plong, this yeah, typical yeah. thing. So if I do one, two, three, one, two, one, two, I can do two, three, one, plong. This is the, uh. if we put the three here, at the end, it's not possible. 
So it's you. quite interesting that you yeah, have one, one, two, two three, three, one, two, ra, boom, 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 and both things work. So this is what I use in this Ofni, Ofni. Okay, uh, so we're gonna thing, listen. No? So we gotta listen for that. And, uh, and the, it, it starts like very high energy because my previous CD started very low energy, and I, I thought ah, I need to you know. So I started with a unison in seven, like pretty awesome. Uh, to do is because I'm just guessing and I haven't I, I, I don't remember I've, I've heard most of your music but I, I can't remember by the title but I'm guessing that if you're anything like me the first time I came to Spain in 2000 and probably still now if you try to count along one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven with the music you'll probably get lost because of where these these closings and where these into you know these these kind of dead beats like you were just the setup beats because the the way you put them, it's like such a specific clave, right? It's it's well, you just said the language. You said the word right now. It's clave. Clave in Spanish uh, has a meaning of, for example, like the reveal of the secret. That mm. is the clave. The mm. secret reveals itself, no? But it comes from llave, the key, the key, no? So, uh, for example, Cuban music. Pack, pack, ka, 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 ka. That is the clave, no? Right. So, I think all the music has a clave. For example, right. jazz, right. no? A swing has like a swing one, two, has. three, four, one, two. That is a clave, no? Right. And what is a clave? A clave is, we could say, is a rhythmical pattern that stays as a, like a mantra in mm. your head mm. and goes along the, the music, no? So, for mm. us uh, improvisers, we could say, the clave concept is key, um, is yeah. the same word, uh, <laughs> to play. And in Buleria, and uh, I, I do a 13, um, 13 beats uh, thing going on that comes from flamenco too. The important Whoa. thing is to have the clave in your head. Doesn't matter how long it is. Mm. For example, this 13 uh, clave is one, two, three, one, two, three, 
And that is a clave, a rhythmic. When that is in your head, like, like you know, like a mantra, like a um, thing, right, you know? Right. Or the buleria, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, Then you don't think about one, where is here, one, three, yeah. or whatever. But you just have the form in your head, no? This is so key that you're talking about this, though, because, like, I remember when you first tried to explain to me a buleria, and, you know, I was like, okay, so it's in 12. And I was like, so it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And you're like, no, no, no. It's like on dos, on dos tres, or some of this this yes. kind of thing. And I can never follow it. I still but don't think that's I can. only a way to count because it's <laughs> right. long. Right, right, right. But actually, is is like a, like a form. Is like is like something is there and it's in your head, like right. going around. Sometimes they, when you go with the singer, the singer makes the half, and you go. In the mm. half of the, mm. so it's not rigid. It's very yeah. open, but it's about uh, listening. No, this reminds me of bluegrass too, with, with all their extra bars, because mm -hmm. bluegrass has these kind of extra bars, and you just follow the singer when they come, you know. But um, but this this clave. So just one question. So to in, to internalize a new clave, it sounds like you're saying you just like, you need to have the mantra. You need to like sort of almost like let that mantra play like like thousands of times like it's really about immersion and time and experience with the clock do you agree with that or absolutely okay absolutely okay. like things in seven no yeah like yeah no for example now that we are here and and it's a easy example no that yeah but you're doing like deep though I mean like I felt like you totally lost you lost me I feel like I'm riding like a bucking horse yeah but you know what I mean like like yeah go because you think no exactly yeah, exactly when, when you don't have to think then you will never be lost because right. you don't care it's just that is Perfect, man. This is why I knew I knew there was gonna be some magic was gonna come out of this. This, this is see. This is why I want people to to see is the magic of the music of Spain, and I mean, it really is magical. I mean, probably I'm guessing a lot of people, if they're like me, like I was, especially 17 years ago, and still to some degree, it's like it's elusive, you know, to hear the rhythm, and that's just that's exciting. It's disorienting, confusing for someone who's I mean, for me as an American coming to Spain, never heard the clave. And you know, and I had the chance to work with Daphnis Prieto for wow. you know, a few years, you know, in his band. And that was, I'd already been to Spain several times, so I was already used to being confused and 
for you know like you know overwhelmed and like so at least I was I was woke enough to know that like there's a world of rhythm out there that I still need to be educated about and, and could get a lot from and playing with Daphnis was a cre- uh, a continuation He's of a that master playing with you know with those guys it was a real education but I saw that after like okay after ten rehearsals after ten gigs I could I was less lost and so I felt that like okay it's just about immersion it's about really living with the groove for a long time and so so many classical musicians um, you know I feel like this is a, a even the idea of groove period for a lot of classical musicians is sort of elusive you know a rock groove a swing groove a funk groove any kind of groove you know the beyond maybe a rondo or, a, or an adagio or an andante although would you say that these these also are dance forms with claves or with grooves yes, or? originally yes yeah okay yeah They're like suites are dances that's just the form from the 18th century yeah. but it lost that that thing of the of the dance no? mm. but uh, in general and now you you talk about the cubans you know, it's amazing what they do they have it so deep in themselves but at the end uh, what I see in classical music, musicians in general when coming to this uh, other kinds of music, improvisation uh, and stuff, is fear. Mm. And I think classical music musicians in general, in conservatoriums in Spain at least, but I think all around the world, they are educated uh, to be perfect. They are educated to not to fail. Mm. They are educated like like uh, inside limits. That's mm-hmm. the f- internal philosophy. No, mm-hmm. you have to be in tune, and you have to be together, and the bow has to be perfect. And you know, we all have this thing of perfection. We mm. have to reach perfection. No, mm. other than let's just make music. No, and if you see, for example, African kids playing you know, their mm-hmm. percussion thing or whatever they play, uh, what you feel when I see that kind of, of of natural expression of the music is fearless. They are just enjoying themselves, no? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, has happened originally with all folk mus- music in general. No, There is not this sense of perfection, but this there is a sense of community, mm. of fun, mm-hmm. of... Uh, uh, doing that what they love no at classical music and maybe recently the new schools that has mm, put laws to their music hmm. then you mean fear, the, the jazz schools that for example that are being then kind of policing fear, the, the music claro but then fear comes in the scene because suddenly there is a right way to do it and a wrong way, way to do it and you have to do the right way and there suddenly there is a right way when I see my flamenco f- friends they of course they have this sense of being right or wrong, but is uh, is completely different education. They they are just doing their thing, and they are like you see that the the normally there is not that much sense of being wrong. No, it's like when we play jazz and we are completely improvising and like we did the other day the Vivaldi thing. No, mm-hmm. there was no sense of wrong notes. Mm-hmm. Everything was okay. No, when there is trust and yeah, yeah. there is, right. you know, some knowledge or whatever, mm-hmm. suddenly anything that you play is right in that moment. Mm-hmm. No, and that is for me the the magic, and that is for me what doesn't used to happen in classical music. No, there is a big sense when a note is not in tune, then suddenly it's strong, <laughs> and everybody's ah, 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 ah. 
Right. But the other day we were playing and there was no sense of that. Mm. Uh, intonation is like, it's part of that, but it's supposed to be there because you're just doing your thing. And But it's not like, you know, the G is like, no, no. <laughs> it's just music, it's happening and everything is right, no? Yeah. And I try to teach myself about this, no? Like, there's no wrong. I wish I, I would have this sense of there's no wrong. So speaking of this, I mean, you you have the perspective of a of a highly trained classical musician. Like you went through that your whole life, and then you're also working with many jazz musicians who also have had school or education. But then you're working with truly, I guess, self-taught or you know, street family. street family taught like. Yeah. Gerardo Nunez, for him, for yes. for example, mm -hmm. and these the true flamencos. Uh, how do you say it? A, a, a player of flamenco. How do you say it? Flamencos. Flamencos. The true flamencos, uh, for example, from Sevilla, maybe or other sí, places. Jerez, especially the south. Especially yeah. the south of Spain. How else can you talk about the difference between their approach to the music and and the jazz approach and the the I mm -hmm. guess. I guess what you just said maybe sums it up. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would say different? Well, when you go to a conservatorium, you, there are laws all around. Everything that you learn is about a wrong and right. And you have to, your tendency has to be perfection. Perfection in rhythm, perfection in intonation, perfection in the bow, perfection in everything. And you have all these laws and the harmony. You cannot do parallel eights or parallel fifths. <laughs> You know, tell that to Jimi Hendrix. I mean, right, and right, he right, right. En enjoys himself and he did the good money out of, out of um, parallel fits, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, there is a big sense of right and wrong. Yeah. And I think in this education they forget, or we forget, about the music. The spirit. And uh, that happens, slowly has been happen happening as well in jazz. When a school... It goes through politics yeah. and it becomes an like official thing and blah blah there is suddenly there is right and wrong yeah. you know? and maybe originally of course there there is always right and wrong but it's more an er energetical thing yeah. in the jazz world still when somebody goes there and does something objectively object, objectively wrong mm -hmm. but with the energy and with the thing, yeah, everybody right, right. will, yeah, you know. It's, <laughs> right. uh, uh, but slowly, uh, jazz has become, I think, uh, school music. Yeah, People go and they learn the same rules, yeah. and the, the, that, that has been a, a process. I can't talk about that too much. Flamenco is, is, is still not with these right. official rules. Right, right. It's not. How did you, but I mean, if you grew up in the north, and pardon my ignorance about uh, you know, geography and culture in Spain, but you come from the Basque region, Victoria, mm -hmm. and so if flamenco's from the south, how did you get to know uh, flamenco music growing up, or did you just hear it just because everybody in Spain hears a lot of flamenco music? No, in the north it's not, it's not very popular music, oh. but uh, when I was in Vienna I started to work, so I was playing the bass, the electric, electric. bass, and there was a, a, a friend of mine, he's called Michel Boygaard, he, he's a German-Japanese half-half guitar player, he was playing flamenco. Hmm. And he said, okay, you are a bass player and you're in Spanish, so you play, 
play with me, flamenco. Right. So I just started to know about flamenco m deeper with him. I started to really listen to more flamenco, and mm. especially uh, Paco de Lucia right. and his band. That what happened there was absolutely amazing, and uh, I, I, I just was okay. completely into that. No. And then when you, but I mean, so that was you were twenty, twenty-two years old or something when you were in college and just starting to get into this music. But then it was just shortly after that you came back to Spain and started playing with some of the top. Uh, flamenco musicians, Gerardo Nunez, hopefully we'll be able to play some clips of Gerardo. Um, but he, he's really a traditional flamenco, from what I understand. He's come from and the, one of the best learning, yeah, the yeah. strict flamenco. But then Chano Domingue was also a great uh, fl uh, flamenco, but from what I understood, he he had more of a fusion project with jazz. Yeah, he comes from, he's a jazz piano player from okay. Cadiz, and he okay. has all this flamenco. Okay, so he really has both. Yeah, yes. I hope we can listen to some of these, both of these projects, because I think it's it's interesting that we have the, the pure flamenco, but then also we have these fusion different flamenco. But what I was trying to get the point across to was that you really kind of became the first upright bass player to join in a lot of flamenco players as far as I understand correct me if I'm wrong I mean well and there, really there even, even adding bass to the music because wasn't it always just guitar with no bass I mean uh, yes but uh, Paco de Lucia has in his band right. had uh, uh, Carlos Benavent he's okay. like the master of flamenco bass and okay. even before there were okay. some some people already okay. going into that coming from more the rock Tradition, right. No? Okay. The rock. The, was Paco more a uh, traditional flamenco, but he also combined rock and roll with it? Is this no? The thing is, Paco is originally a traditional flamenco player. Okay. But uh, he's he was uh, he's well so good and so amazing. Uh, he was very curious about okay. other things. So there is this famous project with John McLaughlin and right. Andy Meola. Right. And there he it seems that he opened his views, mm, no? Gotcha. And I started to really take care about improvisation. He saw Aldi Meola and John McLaughlin like doing crazy things out of the blue yeah. and he wanted that, no? So gotcha. he went a lot into this into fusion that, but, uh, kind of direction, yeah. But at that time he couldn't even read music. Wow. Normally many of the flamencos that I know they don't they can't read music. Gotcha. That's amazing. Um well, so from some of these other projects, uh, how about this this album right here? This is Salto al Bacio, Bacio, mm -hmm. and it looks like this. And what can we listen to off off this project? Maybe, for example, this thirteen that we were talking is the number six. Perfect. Por Camineras, no? It's a Por Camineras. Yeah, it's a, a thirteen. Uh, um, uh, 13 bits. Yeah, 13 uh, 8. Um, yeah, 13, 13 or 13 4. 13 4, okay. So 13 beats per measure. And, and you said, so a bulleria typically has 12, but you adopted it to 13, basically. Yeah, because I mixed the seguirilla pattern with the bulleria pattern. Wow. Like in a way that counting is easy. For example, the, mm -hmm. the seguirilla is counted 1. Two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. five. That is wow. two, two, three, three, three two. two. That makes twelve, no? Wow. And Buleria goes one, two, one, two, three. If you say wow. in Spanish because yeah. of the phonetics, yeah. they don't say 
uh, one uno as as the one they say right. the two as wow. the one because phonetically is more comfortable oh so un dos un dos tres cuatro cinco seis siete ocho nueve diez which is the I want to live in America one two three one two three one two three one two, three. Ah. That, that is the pattern no yeah uh, three three so the other one was two two three three two and this is three three two 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 Wow. So what I did is combine this, but that came like naturally, and the pattern is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three. It's combining phonetically too, okay. and it turns out that the beginning is seguidilla, and, and from the number three, I take the buleria, and that pattern is thirteen. Wow! So when you teach this to a flamenco, they get it at, right away. At, yeah, at the moment it's like. They finish like in a buleria way, plum, no? This, yeah, yeah. and they automatically their head go to buleria. Mm. But it, when they understand the counting, they just surf there with, without uh, thinking they right. are in 13. They don't care. Right. They just catch the clave, wow. and then they just, you know, they understand it and mm. they play it without effort. So you've played this with some like traditional flamencos yes. who just like they, they picked it up. Yes, it wasn't a problem. And there is this video that I have from the Caminero, the other record, yeah. uh, that uh, is in my YouTube uh, channel. And uh, there he's dancing in 13. Whoa! And he catched that dance that very afternoon. Oh, man. He was a little bit getting crazy, but then... <laughs> he, and, and if you see that, you just cannot believe that guy. Wow. Oh, we're going to link to that for sure. What's one other uh, track we can we can listen to? Well, I want to I want to ask you about Melanie because it's one of my favorite tracks because mm -hmm. we spent at least several hours I think yeah, probably like four hours trying like string and you were sort of like okay now Chris like for these four bars start with you know ching 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 and then maybe do this and I was like okay well let me try this here it was sort of one of the original moments for me of like really feeling so much gratification from collaborating with a composer 
you know, I mean, it was obviously your song and you had some ideas, but I was also like, Pablo, I've got ideas. I want to try this. And you let me do it. And we sat in this beautiful apartment right next mm -hmm. to the center of Madrid. So uh, is there anything else you would say about this song, Melanie? Yeah. Uh, can I say like bad words or you put a P? No? I think you can. I think you can say Okay, guys, do you know what it is to have Christian fucking house in your place? <laughs> and yes, he's willing to do anything in your music. Do you know what that means? So I was using the master just to do, you know, he... I was your guinea pig. He could, I mean, everything you did was like, bah. I remember specifically in that tune that we took time for the solo, for your solo, which, which is just mind-blowing solo. And I remember I was like, uh, I went to explain you what is it about and what I needed from that solo. I remember like, uh, we did two takes mm. and then I stopped and I said, man, this is amazing, but let me explain you who Melanie is and what happened mm. and this, and then you played the solo that is, uh, is there, which is just, I, I was kind of crying. I think I smoked a little bit something too. <laughs> Back, so that, but that was when you then, were very uh, young. Then, very young. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is for kids. Take that out. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, but I remember very well that, and then the arranging part, no? I, I, some of the parts I, I, I had clear, but then you added a lot of yeah. magical things there. And I, I remember I, would, I was talking about the end. I, it's the, the, like ocean. the sea. The yeah, ocean. The ocean. Thing. And, yeah. and we were creating stuff out of images no yeah like, yeah and uh, yeah that that and my friend leo minax that we play right. we play the other He's, day with him he sings he sings the tune he put a beautiful text to it in, in uh -huh. brazilian oh he wrote the he wrote the he wrote the, the lyrics yes wow i explained him as well the story. oh wow yeah amazing and uh, he wrote the lyrics for that and it, he sings would you so this is melanie O som do mar deste sonho que é nada sem você pra mim Let it be, se a vida leva a outro lugar As manhãs e carícias que erram sem você aqui Sem teus lábios tento entender Já não vejo tua voz, deixo as palavras Outro sol se ao teu lado não vejo nascer Não tenho teu calor, tento as palavras Oh mel, nas palavras Melanie, te busco em todo lugar so, so would you describe? Is it, this might be the wrong way to say it, but would you say that the music you write is cinematic? And if so, what does that mean? Yes, I, I have written a lot of music for images, for films, like for feature films and for short films and for for uh, commercials, like very interesting commercials stuff, and uh, I. Uh, so my view of music, I guess, is pretty much uh, cinematic. 
I like to have images in my head because uh, I, I kind of have the feeling that can open a whole new world of things going on. So I guess I am very, very um, uh, influenced by, by that way of thinking, not even specific composers, but that way of thinking, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This is a little bit of a side note, but um, you know, one of, when I, on the few occasions when I've worked with film composers or producer, even just music producers, do you, I find that translation is such a problem. Because someone will say, for example, hey, can you put strings on this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'll say, yeah, like, sure, what are you hearing? And they'll say, like, if it's a film uh, director, they might say, well, it's about this character, and the mm-hmm. character is having this conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll say, okay, and then I'll try to do something, and they'll be like, no, 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 but I don't want it to be high, it needs to be low. So it's a problem of translation, because, yeah. like, they're not, you know, they're not giving me, they're not telling me it needs to be high, they're not giving me literal instructions. Yes. I'm sure you must Yeah, they want to hear what they have in their heads. Yeah, but they can't explain it. They can't explain it. They can only talk about this sort of like visual images, but they they have it. But I think that's an interesting aspect of you is that you're actually bringing both of these together. Because if I'm with you, you'll say, no, Chris, give me whole notes in the upper register. Or even write. I I write a lot. But I remember in the feature film that we did, which was my first symphonic film, there were parts that we did with David Quiggle at yeah. the viola, the three, three of us together. So I would put the the piece of, of material, no, like there's this conflict, whatever, one minute and thirty six seconds, whatever. And we would and then we would talk, okay, see like this kind of atmosphere and that let's do whatever here. And we did one take and then we would say, ah but look and then and we would do another take and then maybe a third take. Yeah. And we just were improvising on the image. Yeah. And we were talking about yeah, but maybe this ostinato and blah blah and blah blah, and suddenly we did we did amazing things. Mm. So I think it is very, and I would love to have the opportunity to uh, do a whole film with improvised music, yeah, yeah. with improvisers, musicians, even if it's a big orchestra. You put the big screen, and you explain. Okay, here is going this, and I would like to have this kind of colors, but anyone plays whatever they want. Mm. No, and one take. Okay, I think this and that, and this and that, and that. Uh. to do a whole film like this would be amazing because it's uh, pure. That is really pure. You have no idea what's going to happen, <laughs> and it's very, very original. And what we did for that film, it's amazing. I have still it around, and I hear it, and it's amazing. Mm, I got it. I wonder if we, maybe very, we can play very, some. This is a film that you wrote the music for, a yeah. Spanish film, is that right? Yes, yes. And yeah, maybe it's possible for us to play some of that on the I can send you some yeah, of the things we, we recorded. That's great. Oh, that's good.
Maybe, uh, now there's got to be another track. Oh, I know a track that I really want uh, you to talk about on for us to play, if you'll let us. Republicanon. Republicanon. And, and as you know, my oldest child, Camille, is a huge fan of this song, as am I, and specifically of the recording that you did with Perico Sambia, who's a saxophonist from Spain, who is, I, in, man, he's yeah. a hero of mine. I mean, he's just amazing. But also the, the piano solo on this song, um, by Bor Bor Borja. Borja, I think is, is completely um, just genius. The drummer. Just, just a Borja is the drummer. Borja is the drummer. Sorry, and but and who's the pianist? Ave Rabade. Ah, yeah. From Galicia. Yeah, Oof. it's a great piano solo. Is there anything else you can tell us about the Republicano? Yeah, first, uh, Camille, you made me cry with your version when I heard it. <laughs> I have to tell her the arrangement because I wrote you a, a email like you know I'm so touched that is that was very amazing to to hear that and uh, I think that is a very special doom for me because uh, I called it Republicanon because um, at that time I, I was reading about the Spanish Republica ah. and uh, Antonio Serrano our common friend he yeah. told me man call it Republicanon yeah right and, and the thing is that years after I called it Republicanon, when I composed it and then recorded, but years after I composed it, I discovered it was a canon. Right. So, body, 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 yeah, but not. Body. E but even uh, in four, I play it like this there, like in in the in the how, how do you say a second note, no. A, Joder, Sorry. una negra, una blanca, ¿cómo se dice eso? Uh, uh, eighth, eighth note. Okay. This is canon to the fourth, ¿no? Ah, to the quarter note. To the quarter, yeah, but not the quarter, but the blanca. One, uh, two, two. Anyway. Two, two, two. Half note? Half note. Okay. Da is a half yes, note. Yes, eso. Okay. And then, that's a canon the to the half note. Okay. But eighth note to the half note is a canon. Yes. Somehow. Okay. It, to the... To the... <laughs> okay. Anyway, the thing is that to the four measures, yeah. it's a canon. Okay. So you oh. play four measures and then you start the four... Oh. It's a canon like that. And also... Boating, boating, boating. It works like a canon. That's four easier. Eighths, but yeah. to the four... Wow. Because the harmony is changing the whole thing. Whoa. So it's like kind of pre-natural canon, no? which wow. was, I was very amazed. You didn't even realize that. I didn't realize it. Did Antonio know that it was a canon? No. Oh. <laughs> that is the, it sounded like, but I didn't right, right, realize. Right. Okay, that's great. And I remember I, I did that with the bass in a, in, a, in a sound check in Holland. I was playing with Gerardo and that idea came. And then in some airport, I, I thought I need a B part and I did that jungle kind of B part. The jungle, uh, which is like a, a bass and drum yeah, yeah. kind of beat where the drums kind of really take yeah. the role. But, yes. but it has a very flamenco-ish yeah. uh, kind of uh, feel. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so Republicanon. Republicanon. Um, uh, so Republicanon. Uh, we're going to be listening for the canon not only on the half note, but also on the four bars. I think in the, in the original version, in the when the melody comes back yeah. again after the solos, we did it as a canon. Yeah. Awesome.
And uh, final thoughts. Uh, something came to my mind. Oh yeah. Right now, which Great. is not specifically music. But the other day I was in California, as you know, I was at the Monterey Jazz Festival. Monterey. Congratulations! Yeah. It's Thank amazing. That, that was really well deserved. Cool. Yeah, that with your trio cool. playing yes. flamenco jazz arrangements. And then in the University Chapman University, which okay. is in, in the area, no, in, in Los Angeles area, uh, we did a concert and we had a chat. No, and and. And they asked us a very strange question, mm. no? And something interesting came, which is something like Game of Thrones. Who would you relate to, or what would you? Something oh, wow. like that about Game of Thrones. Sounds like a very every, American uh, yeah, question and answer, like submission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I said, I have no idea. I, I've been watching the show, and it's fantastic. And and then I say, I think I have the answer to that, no? So maybe. It's, uh, thought I would like to share. Yeah, please. Uh, and I think it's the real message of Game of Thrones. Which, well, I think everybody can see that. It's a, it's a very dumb thing, no? But anyway, <laughs> and who are you relating? Oh, I'm relating Jon Snow and I don't whatever, no? And I thought, you know, I think the interesting thing of this is uh, the humanity. So we are in Game of Thrones, you see, and it, happen it happens to us. I think this is a big nice metaphor of the show, no? We are all fighting each other, like, who has the throne? I'm going to kill you, and the terrorists, and this, and the planes, and I don't know, and yeah. everybody fighting against each other, no? And winter is coming. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, you know, it, maybe it's a meteorite, or maybe it's the war, global warming, right, uh, right. the temperature change, the, what yeah. is, uh, the, the warm-up change, war, change yeah. maybe it's something, but it's definitely <laughs> coming. Change. And when that thing comes, doesn't matter who you are, or if wow. you are, if you have bar like this, or if you have an American <laughs> flag, or whatever you are, it doesn't matter. It will come, and wow. we will have to be all together because otherwise there is no way. So I think that wow. is the great the thing about uh, Game of Thrones. So um, let's be together as human race and forget things because when the thing comes, we are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well said. That's my, you know, my friend Valentin, who I just interviewed earlier today. And his episode's going to be on either before or after, and he just happens to be over here hanging out with us right now, uh, Valentino, or Valentin. Um, he said something very similar to me when we, when, just when, before we came up here. He said, you know, some, <clears throat> some places in the world, like he said, Japan, for example, you know, really suffered like a huge catastrophe. And um, after this catastrophe, there's, you know, one might argue that it created this unity because people really learned to uh, empathize with each other. And maybe in other places where there have been similar, like, true crises, you know, true tragedies, and, you know, so I, that's just interesting to me that you said that right mm -hmm. after he had said that, like, an hour ago, because it seems like you're saying the same thing, like, you know, can we find a way to come together without needing this massive tragedy, such as the, what do they call it, the White Walkers? Yeah. Like, do we really need to have the White Walkers for us to... But, but they are together? there, I mean, in another form or whatever, but that thing, whatever it is. And in the in the meantime, we are all, like, worrying about Petty silly stuff. things. Yeah. No? Yeah. And, and we are so used to yeah. that, of course. It's, that's, I mean, we are not guilty of Samara or the not, but it's not easy. Yeah. But whatever it is, it will come, and doesn't matter what you do, who you are, and how many you have, and if you play good or bad or whatever, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. when the big thing 
Yeah. Well, when you, I mean, you know, you talked about the um, the social connection of the flamencos, for example, or the you know the spirit that music is played with, you know, seeking energy and seeking connection, and uh, and I think that's uh, related, you know, somehow. I mean, I, f I feel like this part of what Creative Strings, I don't know if I've even had my t-shirt showing, but uh, part of what, you know, the mission of Creative Strings is to try to, sh is to show, uh, or to inspire, I guess, um, musicians and music teachers in terms of how can we change the culture of what we do for the good. And I think as musicians, the ability to connect with each other, you know, my, the ability that I had to connect with you and to connect, connect with other Spanish musicians and to be so um, inspired by the music here. Um, that's part of the reason I wanted you to get on because I, I want people to sense that magic. And uh, so for the classical musicians out there, which is a big part of my audience, you know, the string players who like us, you know, just receive this classical education. That's what we're trying to inspire for them. Is there, is there one thing you would... You would suggest to the string players yeah. out there, you know? Even, even there is a lot of competition in music, even between good musicians, even you go to a jam sessions and everybody suddenly will judge you if you play well, if you don't play well, and there is a lot of pressure, and that happens, I think, in all statements, even in music, no? But the good thing is when, when you get, like it happened with us the other day, I respect you that you cannot even imagine, no? But, and I am like, okay, I'm going to play with Christian House. But suddenly when you feel that connection, which is beyond knowledge, which is beyond friendship, which is beyond um, anything, which is just a, a, a psychological form, when you get to have that, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, uh, the color of your skin, your culture, or your background, or doesn't matter. And suddenly you are in a common place mm. where everybody can be mm. and there is no distinction no? maybe it's a little bit uh, zen or philosophical or whatever but but it's true there is this mental state where there is no wrong mm -hmm. where everything is right mm -hmm. no? yeah. and uh, for me is the big teaching of music is that that there, there, there is a possibility to live in that way no we have this lack of lack, I don't know, maybe we are in hell and we don't know if that is, exists, no? But we have this lack of being alive in a, in, a, in, a, in a spheric thing in the universe, like going so fast and we are attached to the floor. It's amazing. Why are we not just... No, we have this lack, this amazing miracle and we are just like, oh, I'm so unhappy, and there are my problems, and me, and this, and that. <laughs> and suddenly you discover that place, no? That whatever thing that is, um, we're not, it, I mean, we are so lucky, actually, no? It's so miraculous, mm. no? Maybe we are completely unknown in the universe, maybe not, and, but anyway, is really something remarkable, no? That we are here and talking and this thing is recording and I mean, it's like, what the hell? How did we get to this point? No, and suddenly we are fighting each other. It would be much more intelligent to to try to build. I know it's, I'm talking shit, no? But, but, you know, if you think it deeper and that miracle happens in music, maybe not always, but we have this possibility. Mm. And uh, that 
already to have the option to feel that even if it's for a second mm. uh, you connect with that and then you see man <laughs> I mean it's uh, everything is amazing when you see a pregnant woman you say there is a baby in there I mean what the, uh, what the? And, 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 and Steve Jobs and, and Steve Bosnia do a mag and we think oh my god this I mean she has a baby in here he's doing eyes and, and ears and, and nails I mean a woman is doing that is I mean that's engineering that is amazing no but we is normal and they even have problems no pregnant woman in their in their jobs so, are oh, your pregnant she and she's a goddess I mean and you know what I mean so sure many yeah. times I think oh we are fucked up. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I talk too much. No, it's beautiful. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to share on on this on this podcast. Appreciate Thank you, you. for tuning in to this special episode with my good friend Pablo Martin Camonero. Um, it's this is really a special one for me. Uh, the ability to share um, the music and the thoughts uh, from someone who's just just a person I really I gotta say it's just it's just a person I really love. I've just one of my closest friends and so it's meant a lot to me to be able to share his music with you and uh, I would love to get your feedback on this episode and all the episodes anytime you can reach out to me at chris at christianhouse.com I want to thank my friend Pablo one more time for everything you've given me and for sharing with us today Hey, just a quick note to everybody about the 16th annual Creative Strings Workshop in Columbus, Ohio. That's our annual gathering for creative string players from around the world. Um, it's our 16th year, we're super excited about it. And right now we've still got early bird discounts I think till January 1st, I think you can still get 200 off just for putting down a small deposit. Go ahead and go to christianhouse.com, just click on education and you'll find info. But even more than just the Columbus workshop this year, we've got workshops in like nine locations planned. I mean, this is a massive breakthrough year for Creative Strings. So I'll just tell you really quick some of the locations. You can find them at christianhouse.com, but we're gonna be in Switzerland, Dallas, Toronto, Munich, Madrid, Asheville, and London. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Go to christianhouse.com forward slash education and just look for a Creative Strings workshop and you'll see all the different locations and all the dates. I look forward to meeting in person with you in any of these locations worldwide in 2018. And I want to thank our sponsors, Yamaha Strings. We depend on Yamaha. String players depend on Yamaha. Creative Strings depends on Yamaha. And of course, Electric Violin Shop. If you go to electricviolinshop.com forward slash creative strings, you can get a discount just by letting them know that we sent you their way. And I recommend that you call Electric Violin Shop if you ever have any questions 
about electric strings. <laughs> Uh, electric string playing, amplification effects, etc., etc., and their phone number is 866-900-8400. Again, 866-900-8400, or go to electricviolinshop.com forward slash creative strings. <laughs> 